You know, I'm lucky, uh, very lucky, obviously. And the real like beauty of growing grapes and making wine is uh, sharing it with people. You know, it's a social beverage. It's a beverage that really shines when paired with the right foods. And these are stories that we try to tell in our tasting room and things that we hope to unite people with Big Little. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Total Michigan, where we interview ordinary people who are doing some pretty extraordinary things in our Michigan community. Today's guest definitely would fit that bill. We are continuing our trek around the Leelanau Peninsula to actually take some time to stop in at some vineyards and some pretty cool things that are actually going on there. Today, I'm sitting with Mike Lang. He is the owner, co-founder of Big Little Wines. Mike, how are you? Good, Cliff. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. Thank you for asking. Sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? Absolutely. My brother and I, my brother's name is Peter. We grew up in Ann Arbor and always visited northern Michigan because our grandparents lived part of the year in Frankfurt. And so we had a connection to this area where we're sitting is Sutton's Bay, about an hour east, but still similar area. From Ann Arbor, visited this area growing up, and I don't know, our parents really created our, this opportunity for us to work together to grow grapes and make wines here in so your the Leelanau Peninsula. So your parents were in, already into wine. They're more entrepreneurial than wine lovers. They enjoy wine, but my father really wanted to change careers and get into agriculture. He's always, he was always interested in that and never really had an opportunity until he quit his, his career in manufacturing in the Detroit area and said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to grow grapes specifically. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow something, farm something. Grapes, grapes were the crop, and he fulfilled his own lifelong dream of farming. He'd always had that kind of in the back of his mind. He just really wanted to create the life that he wanted. Yeah, yeah. And then combined with that was his vision of bringing the family together to work together in a family business. Big Little was started by my brother and I to put our own stamp on Leelanau Peninsula Wines. So, yeah. Now, before this, before you got into wine, you were actually a teacher. I was a teacher, yeah. So, grew up in Ann Arbor, but left to go to school in Ohio. Not Ohio State, in case anybody's (laughs) got some... Serious thoughts about that. Went to Miami of Ohio, got a math education degree. I taught high school math, both in the suburbs of Chicago as well as overseas for about six years. And then and then I came here to pursue the opportunity of growing grapes and making wine with my family. So what was the attraction then? If you went off and started your career, and you're obviously doing really well, you're teaching overseas. What was the attraction to come back and say, you know what, I'm going to hang up my hat on education and go into wine. Yeah, it was a hard decision, honestly, because I had always I had wanted to be a teacher, specifically a math teacher, since I was 17. Before I went to college, I knew what I wanted to do. Went went out and did it, and was rather independent, living overseas. Had great experiences teaching, both domestically and internationally. Traveled a lot, so it was a big decision for me to to try this, to come home and actually start at an entry-level position because I was just establishing my teaching career, getting going. I wanted to try something different and something with my family. 
And it was hard at first, honestly, but but now it's awesome. And I can imagine that the one thing that having a career is you have the comfort of that weekly check coming in. All of a sudden now when you're working for yourself, all of a sudden it's like very different. Yeah. When I first started, so I first started working in the wine industry for Mobby. And we spun Big Little off a few years later, but that was 2007, and I was just hourly. My family was not yet involved in Mobby on a partnership level, so I was hourly. However, <laughs> I was making 10 bucks an hour doing this, that, or the other odd jobs, trying to prove myself. And so that was hard. And yeah, and living at home where I was independently living by myself in another country, traveling all over. So it was, at the at the beginning, uh, it was touch and go for me. Sure. I was close to saying, forget this. <laughs> but then my family partnered with Larry Mobby, which was a great decision. He's a real leader and has been for decades in the Michigan winemaking community. So he was a very good per- person to partner with. He was a very good person to learn the business from. And I slowly was given more opportunities in the cellar, as well as on the sales side, as well as other decision-making freedoms. And it all developed from there. Now, when Big Little Wines was first formed, right, and you and your brother decided to do this, did you approach him? Did he approach you? How did that conversation go? My brother and I? Yes. So to give a little bit more context, when we first entered a partnership with Larry Mobby on the Mobby business, that was a seven-year deal, after which time he could have taken one of the brands and kind of done his own thing. Ultimately, he, Larry Mobby decided not to. He decided to stay partners with us. But we were looking at that as an opportunity to start a different brand that would complement Mobby or maybe be its own thing if Larry decided to take some of those Mobby wines with him and and go his own direction. So I think for my brother and I, it was a lot of conversations. And ultimately, it was the desire to create wines that we thought were cool styles from fruit grown in the Leelanau Peninsula. It's kind of like our, our artistic outlet. And as it ended up, Big Little, Big Brother, Little Brother is essentially an extension of really who we are. So it's very easy for us to talk about the brand. It's all the wines are named after childhood memories. So it's really an extension of ourselves. And hopefully some of these wine names or labels or stories or whatever others can relate to as well. Mixtape. A lot of people made mixtapes. Yeah. (laughs) Treehouse, Crayfish, Dune Climb. These are things we both experienced growing up in Ann Arbor, as well as visiting Frankfurt as kids and memories that, that, I'm sure other people have had either in northern Michigan or in their childhood. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an extension of who we are, but it's also like an olive branch for others to hopefully remember those memories as well and connect with the brand in their own unique way. When I pulled up here today, one of the things that I saw up front was a sign that said 10 years. So it's 10 years you guys have been in business. 
Yeah, it's been a little bit longer than that, but the tasting room itself has been open for 10 years. It's been a little bit longer than that because we started selling big little wines to restaurants and retailers before we opened our tasting room. But nice. in the winter of 12, 13, we converted a what was formerly a rental unit, <laughs> a rental residence into our big little tasting room. There are certain things you have to make you have to make the tasting room handicap accessible and re we had to redo the bathroom and sure just this that and the other but yeah so it was 2013 that we opened our doors here next to mobby so we're celebrating our 10th anniversary congratulations thank you i ha if i'd known that i would have brought a birthday cake or something because this is a big deal next time i want to go back and explore something that you were just talking about because you're relatively, at this time, going back to 2012, 2013, you're relatively unknown. But as you just shared, you were out there selling Big Little Wines to restaurants. So how did you go about, I guess, positioning yourself so when you go in there, you can let these people know, hey, we're producing great quality wines. We're doing it consistently. So if you serve it to your guests, they're always going to have a great experience in a glass. Yeah. We, we approached it from the angle of... We're part owners of Mobby. This is our side project. Because you'll find this all over the world where maybe the younger generation or a winemaker that kind of wants to do their own thing might start their own brand. Even though they have a day job that pays the main bills with another brand, they'll spin off their own. So this is pretty common all over the world. We, we, we told that story. Like We've learned how to make wine at, from Larry Mobby and... We wanted, to get to, we wanted to really get to know those people around the state that were buying and selling wine because that's what really makes wholesaling your wines work, our relationships. And it was important for us to be pretty well distributed so that we were a little more visible to the consumer so that you earn some street cred that way, being listed on a, a menu of a nice restaurant or featured in a nice bottle shop. So I don't know if that answers your question. But oh, it certainly does. Somewhat. <laughs> no, it certainly does. That's great. What I would like to do now is explore, because really coming in, you've got an opportunity to just create any wine that you want. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to pick those wines? And we're going to talk more about that in the second half of the show. But why did you decide to pick these particular wines to make? Well, first we have to use grape varieties that grow well here in northern Michigan. So we're somewhat limited there. For example, we cannot grow Cabernet Sauvignon or Nebbiolo or Picpoul or I don't know, grapes like this. We can't grow right. those here. We don't have enough heat. So we're limited there on the varieties we can grow. And also one opportunity we have with the big little brand is that if we have excess fruit growing in the vineyards that are designated for big little wines and what i mean by excess so we make wine to our sales numbers and if we have extra if we have too much fruit we can channel those grapes towards wines in the mobby program and that's pretty unique not all wineries can do that because right. not all wineries have that option. So there's flexibility there. To get to the core of your question, we want to make wines that are interesting to us, that we think will be interesting to others. We want to use grape varieties that grow well here. We want to select blends, combine grapes that work well together. 
And we think, for example, varieties like Pinot Blanc or Gamay or Pinot Noir or Pinot Gris, those can go a lot of different directions. Those could be made as non-sparkling wines. Those could be made as rosés. Those could be made as pet nets. Those could be made as, in some cases, red wines. So I like flexibility. It makes sense from a business perspective. And so we're thinking about a lot of different things when we choose blends or what to plant or what wines to make. Sure. And for our audience, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive into some of these absolutely delicious wines from Big Little Wines. We'll see you after the break. Are you enjoying these amazing stories? Michigan is full of people that are doing some pretty extraordinary things. If you want these amazing stories sent directly to your inbox, head over to TotalMichigan.com, enter your email address, and get them today. What are you going to get? I'm glad you asked. First, you're going to join our awesome Michigan community, and it is quite awesome. Second, you will get an email that includes the top five interviews from the show sent directly to your inbox. This is going to include the powerful lessons that we've learned from these amazing people. Third, you're going to get exclusive behind-the-scenes information about the show. There's a lot of things that are happening to grow this movement beyond the confines of just a radio show and a podcast. You'll get advance notice of upcoming guests and early access to their interviews. You'll also get a link to our Facebook group. Now to get all these goodies, just head over to TotalMichigan.com slash join. Enter your email address and join our awesome community today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Total Michigan. I'm your host, Cliff Duvenois. Today, we're talking with Mike Lang co-owner, co-founder of Big Little Wines up in the Traverse City area. Mike, it's that time of the show where we're going to start talking about the good stuff, right? So what do you have for us today? In front of us is a wine called Mixtape. This was the third wine we produced. Our first vintage of this wine was 2011. This is the 2021 Mixtape. So this is 10 years of mixtape. And again, Big Little Wines, all the wines are named after childhood memories. So mixtape, we, we remember making mixtapes of carefully arranged tracks meant to <laughs> convey a specific message to the listener. And for this wine, this is a field blend. So the grapes for this wine, of which there are several varieties used, are grown together and harvested together. And we use Alsatian varieties that are native to eastern France, such as Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Blanc. And every year that wine, this wine is a little bit different because the crop is not always the same, and one variety might yield a little bit more than another, or we might choose to pick a little bit more of this or that just based on what's available to go into the wine but it is comprised uh, of a Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Gris. Those percentages vary. It's an off-dry, very crisp, food-friendly wine and the, 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 the real cool factor about this wine mixtape is it crosses or unites the sweet and dry wine drinker. It's not too sweet for the dry wine drinker, it's not too dry for the sweet drinker. It's a nice in-between. It's a nice in-between, and it really pairs well with a lot of ethnic foods. For example, Asian foods like sushi or Ooh. Thai food, Ethiopian food, ethnic foods, also like uh, Middle Eastern food or even Mediterranean. So something with a little heat is very nice with mixtape. 
because, again, it has a little residual sugar, but it's very crisp and refreshing, and it's an awesome summer option, too. It's the first wine we pour for folks. We pour this wine, typically we pour this wine as our complimentary pour to introduce them to Big Little and to talk about sweetness levels, and it's just a good introduction to the brand and to white wine. Now, before you talk about the memories that each one of these wines like invoke. So I guess my question for you then would be for this particular one, when you were putting it together, what made you think of mixtape? Or did you write down the memory first and then say, okay, maybe the next bottle we'll make, we'll call it mixtape. How does that naming process go? We like blends. Not all of our wines are blends by any means, but but we like blends. So mixtape by nature of that compound word or whatever, it means it, it means a blend, a mishmash, a combination of different flavors and, and textures. So, you know, the, the idea of a mixtape makes, yeah, makes one think of a blend, and right. that's what this is, and so it works. We, we, were, we look at the fruit we want to plant, and then we look at the wines we want to make, and then we look at sales, and we say, okay, yeah, all those things factor <laughs> into what we produce, right? So... This wine is a product of four varieties that grow really well in northern Michigan and work, we think, pretty harmoniously as a blend. A lot of Alsatian wineries call this style of wine Edelsvicker, which essentially is a blend of Alsatian varieties. You know, if you go to Alsace and you eat the food and you taste the wines, they work really well together. There's a lot of rich foods, like a lot of heavy foods, very German-influenced because it's on the border. So these crisp, acid-driven Alsatian varieties, aromatic whites, work with that style of food, and we can grow them here, and the blend blend works. And again, it changes, but if you go to Alsace, you'll see Edelsvicker-style blends all over the place. Most producers have one. At least Adel's one. Vicar. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So this is delicious. Thank you. <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So I guess my next question would be is, because we're talking about a blend, right? You're bringing all these different grapes together, mixtape. So my, then my question to you is that when you do this, obviously it's not, let's do 25% of this one, 25%. It's, it could be a mix. It could be 70% with 30% or maybe even not that, 70% with 20%, 5%, something like yeah. How do you find that right balance? So it's predominantly Riesling, so it has to stay that way. Otherwise, it loses its essence, in my opinion. So it's predominantly Riesling, and then we, like predominantly, what I mean is 50%, and then we layer in different percentages of those other varieties, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, and Gravert. Sometimes the deer eat a lot of Gewürztraminer, and we don't have a lot, so we have less in the blend. Sometimes we use Gewürztraminer for another wine called Tire Swing, and sometimes we have to dip further into that block to to get more of that. Sometimes we don't make C3 Pinot, which uses Pinot Blanc, so we have more Pinot Blanc. It's just a matter of, again, uh, producing wines based on sales numbers, based on what's working, what's what's not, and uh, moving grape varieties around uh, between different programs but also trying to create wines that are consistent in style year after year. So there's constraints, but there's also freedom of um, creativity as well. Certainly. Within those confines. One of the things that you mentioned before is you you talked about how the grapes taste different year to year. 
you just mentioned probably about a minute ago that, you know, if the deer eat a lot of this grape, <laughs> you know, dot, dot, dot. So there's a lot of external influences that impact the grape. So your 21 might not taste the same as the 22, which is going to taste completely different than the 20. So Hope- talk... Yeah. So talk to us about those environmental impacts on the wine. Hopefully not completely different because there there are some threads of consistency that we're looking for. For example, in this wine, you know, I'm getting a little white pepper, grapefruit. That's that's mixtape. Like we can adjust that subtly, but that's the core of the flavor right. that we're looking for. But yeah, like a cool vintage, like 18 or 19, will result in higher acidity in the fruit. Because as fruit ripens with heat, sugar accumulates and acidity diminishes. If we don't get heat, we have more acidity in the fruit, which means, typically, that we will need to balance with more residual sugar. If we have a hot year, acidity diminishes, we may be able to make mixtape in a drier style because there's not the need to balance with as much residual sugar. So, yeah, those are the decisions when it comes to this wine that we're thinking about on any particular year. And so mixtape is one that you would recommend. If you took this to a party, this would have mass appeal. It would because, again, it crosses, it bridges the gap between sweet and dry wine drinkers. The, the, the real beauty of this also is when you start pairing it with, like I mentioned, foods that might have a little bit of heat but a lot of flavor and some good richness. This can hold up to some fat, fattier foods like what I don't know, like pork belly tacos or something, Whoa. something like that, or spicy tuna, a spicy tuna roll, or you know things like that. So it's a crowd pleaser. It's refreshing. It's crisp, and it pairs well with food. So this is what I'm looking for in a, an off dry white wine for sure. Now, is this something that you only have here at Big Little, or have, is it available in stores? People can go get it. This is available across the state of Michigan in the select retailers. But if you, for example, the consumer needs to know this. If there's a wine that you're looking for and you can't find it on a store shelf of your local retailer, you can always ask them. You can always say, look, I was up north, or I've had this wine before, or you've even carried this wine before, and I'm interested in it. They'll find us. They know who to contact to get our wines. We're well distributed in Michigan, but sometimes you got to ask. Sometimes you have to ask for things that you want Certainly. Right? in life. Yes. <laughs> You're not going to get it unless you ask. Because there are a lot of wine shops throughout Michigan that carry a pretty good balance between Michigan wines versus, I'll say, national wines versus even international wines. Sure. Yeah, they're all over the place. And, you know, those are the... I don't know. Those are the so anyways, scratch. yeah, it's great to have that just simply because of the fact that you can go into the store, support local and know that you are going to be you're going to pick up a bottle that's going to, like you said, appeal. Yeah, to the mass. we don't rely just on tasting room sales. We rely on the support of independent retailers and wholesalers across the state. And they're great resources for the, prom- the promoting of Michigan products. And we thank them for that. Yeah, our wines are available across the state. If you can't find it, ask for it. Nice. One of the questions that I would like to, as we get to the end of the interview here, one of the questions that I would like to ask you is that this whole thing started because your dad gave up his job in manufacturing to come up here because he really wanted to pursue being in the wine business. 
So what does he say that you and your brother have started your own vineyard business? He's pretty soft-spoken. I think he's proud of us. I know he is, but he, he's, he's sort of old school in that way that he doesn't, um, he doesn't always express emotions. Express his emotions yes. <laughs> super, <laughs> super clearly, but we know that he is proud of us and what we're doing and what we're doing with the fruit that he's grown. We take a lot of pride in the quality of our products and we take a lot of pride in our work ethic. And that was obviously a result of how we were raised by both our mom and our dad. And, and we'll probably have a wine very soon. We don't have anything in the works per se, but a dedication to the people that made this possible for us, our parents and our grandparents for exploring Northern Michigan, creating, creating an opportunity for us to visit as kids and really fall in love with the area and then work together as a family to, to create something cool and fun. And yeah, it's just, it's cool. It's a, it's an opportunity that a very small percentage of the population are going to have an opportunity to do. So as I sit here and reflect on that, you know, I'm lucky, uh, very lucky, obviously. And the real like beauty of making wine and growing grapes and making wine is uh, sharing it with people. Uh, it's a social beverage. It's a beverage that really shines when paired with the right foods. And these are stories that we try to tell in our tasting room and things that we hope unite people with Big Little. Certainly. Speaking of uniting with Big Little, if somebody is listening to this interview and they want to connect with you, they want to find out what Big Little's going on, maybe they want to stop by your tasting room, what's the best way for them to do that? BigLittleWines.com is... Those are the coordinates for our website. <laughs> and we're located in Sutton's Bay, five miles south of Sutton's Bay, two-thirds of the way from Traverse City to Sutton's Bay. So that's where our taste room is located. But yeah, BigLittleWines.com. And again, if you can't find our wines on a store shelf, ask the retailer to bring it in. And thank you for your support. And for our audience, you can always roll on over to TotalMichigan.com, click on Mike's interview, and find the links that he mentioned up above. Again, Big Little Wines, Mixtape, definitely check it out. We'll see you again next week when we talk to another Michigander doing some pretty extraordinary things. We'll see you then.